You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. I seek refuge with Allah from Satan, the accursed. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. Peace be upon you, good morning, and welcome to the Breakfast Show of the Voice of Islam. Uh, with myself, uh, and Walid Ahmed, and uh, Imam Toki Tanvir. Uh, as always, uh, we have a very packed show this morning. It is uh, Friday the 13th, uh, uh, 2023, and the time is approaching four minutes past seven. As always, we have, uh, as I mentioned, uh, a very packed show. The uh, Breakfast Show is an interactive broadcast. It means that all our listeners have the opportunity to join in any of the discussions taking place during the course of the program. All you need to do is to pick up uh, the phone, dial 0208-687-7878, and share your thoughts with us. Um, alternatively, uh, you can tweet us at Voice of Islam UK, so that's the Twitter handle. Uh, they are going to be discussing this packed program of ours, a variety of different subjects. Uh, uh, in a few minutes' time, uh, we'll begin with the rundown of the weather before going on to examine some of the news stories that are doing the rounds these days. won't be spending too much time on each, but uh, we'll try and rattle through as many as possible through our first half hour. And as I said, uh, please do take the opportunity to share your thoughts and views on uh, matters that we will be discussing. Uh, the phone is uh, the phone number is 0208-687-7878 and the Twitter handle Voice of Islam UK. Now, those familiar with this uh, broadcast will know that we actually hone in on two particular stories, spending more time on that on those stories uh, in the latter part of the program. So uh, this week, the first of these big stories that we are going to be, well, uh, the, the first of these stories that we are going to be spending more time on um, um, is going to be relating to what we can do for others and how this can reap rewards. And the subject is, uh, the title is, Teens' Random Acts of Kindness Raises £55,000. Uh, and we'll be exploring this topic between 7.30 and 8.15. Do uh, uh, share your thoughts with us if you have any. Uh, We look forward uh, to your call uh, because uh, uh, we don't, uh, at the moment, uh, have anything, any any, uh, uh, expert that can lend uh, further light uh, on this. Uh, so the uh, opportunity is very much there for anyone who wants to uh, give their pennies worth uh, to uh, make the effort and uh, dial uh, the number. The number is zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. Moving on to the second topic is something we picked up from the Science Daily website. It's about tackling substance abuse among the young and the success. Uh, of uh, programs to address this menace. So this is something that uh, we dealt with uh, last week. But uh, this week, the uh, topic is quite different. It's about uh, uh, free school meals, something that uh, uh, Mr. Rashford very much promoted. Uh, And uh, Jamie Oliver is now calling for expansion 
of free school meals. So that's the title of our second main topic. Jamie Oliver calling for expansion of free school meals. Uh, so, and to understand this topic, uh, we'll be uh, looking forward to what you have to say. Uh, and we hope that uh, you will very much uh, uh, take the plunge and uh, dial that number or tweet us at uh, Voice of Salam UK. Uh, so lots to do, lots to cover. And as always, we shall have a full review of the Islamic angle to discuss from Imam uh, uh, Farid Ahmed, uh, who will be joining us uh, very soon. Now, uh, as far as the weather is concerned, uh, let me just uh, brief our listeners as to what that is. Well, the BBC weather uh, forecasters are predicting that today will be windy with spells of heavy rain uh, spreading eastwards during the morning. Uh, There's a risk of snow on the hills in northern Scotland uh, drier in the afternoon with some brighter spells developing. As far as the evening is concerned, uh, it will be mainly dry with clear spells uh, and isolated showers, uh, clouding over from the southwest tonight with outbreaks of rain pushing northwards, possibly wintry for some in the far north. So that's the weather. Uh, not too good, uh, quite gloomy really in some ways, but um, uh, still uh, we are, as we will learn later on during this part of the program, covering a story which will indicate that um, the weather overall is getting quite hot and uh, it is likely to continue that trend in the coming years, which is uh, gives us food for thought, especially with... Um, uh, global warming, uh, war- warming, and um, um, these greenhouse uh, gases that uh, continue to be spouted out and needs to need to be um, arrested um, uh, from continuing if we are to save the planet, as many would say. Um, now, as far as uh, other news is concerned, uh, Imam Farid will uh, brief us on uh, in a few minutes' time about the news that is uh, current in the Ahmadi Muslim community, but elsewhere in the wider community. Uh, The uh, story that is dominating uh, our media very much is the Ukraine conflict. There's always a story uh, of something that is going on in that uh, part of the world in uh, Eastern Europe. There appears to be now more efforts uh, being made to continue this conflict rather than engage in uh, talks to secure peace. After sending in tons of weapons to Ukraine, the UK is now poised to send in uh, tanks to help Kiev uh, or Kiev in its uh, counter-offensive against Russia. A dozen Challenger 2s have been earmarked for this. Uh, the US, uh, Germany and France are set to provide armoured vehicles. Uh, this kind of thinking is worrying as it simply uh, brings a direct confrontation or it is bringing a direct uh, confrontation between the West and Russia so much closer and such a conflict will spell doom for the world and must be avoided, I'm sure everybody will agree, at all costs. Um, And in our um, effort to uh, seek uh, a peaceful solution, uh, we can find, I must admit, uh, uh, guidance in the Holy Quran 
uh, and how such conflicts uh, ought to be resolved. Uh, it says in chapter 49, verse 10, and I quote the translation, and if two parties of believers fight each other, make peace between them, then if after that one of them transgresses against the other, fight the party that transgresses until it returns to the command of Allah. Then if it returns, make peace between them with equity and act justly. Verily, Allah loves the uh, just. So although um, this is dealing with conflict between believers of Muslim parties, the clues of conflict resolution are clearly there. The first step is to try and carve a peace between the warring parties, not to start fueling the conflict by injecting more and more weapons in the war. This will only lead to more casualties and bloodshed. The second step would be that if one of the parties then behaves wrongly, others should engage together uh, and make it return to peace. However, here it is imperative that any in any peace that is forged, it is done with justice and with equity. And it is these features that some say are so sorely uh, found missing in our international affairs. If these are embraced by the world's powers today, it would go far in relieving the world of such trouble and strife that pervades the uh, uh, global community. So let's hope that uh, something of uh, uh, that wisdom is uh, uh, enacted in order to bring this uh, conflict that is uh, um, uh, causing so much uh, difficulties, to put it mildly, around the world um, can be brought to an end. Um, the other difficulty that uh, it, the people in the UK are very much facing are uh, is the um, uh, uh, pressure in the UK on the NHS. Uh, its news has emerged how it is being dragged to breaking point. Some say that it is in a crisis. Some uh, words that uh, those uh, in the uh, governing party are loath to use, but others. Uh, feel that that is the case, but let's uh, just uh, uh, in, in in for the for reasons of balance, let's just say it's uh, is bragged to breaking point. There have been 1,000 excess deaths being recorded each week, uh, excluding the first two pandemic years. Uh, 2022 brought the highest excess deaths total since 1951. This is according to research done by the Times. Ministers contend that countries across Europe had high excess deaths uh, last year, pointing to a big increase in flu. But others argue that the blame on the government's handling of the NHS, where there are long waiting lists uh, for um, all kinds of services, and there are long waits for 999 ambulances and emergency treatment in hospitals uh, are also uh, contributory factors. Adrian Boyle, president of the Royal College of Emergency Medicine, said the latest figures were shockingly high. He acknowledged that it was extremely difficult to determine the causes, but pointed to studies showing deaths rose with longer waits at uh, A&E. And he said, uh, our own analysis indicates that an estimated three to four, five hundred patients are dying per week across the UK associated with long waiting times in emergency departments. This is awful, distressing, and completely unacceptable. The health system is not functioning as it should, 
Our priority should uh, not be to quibble about the data, but to mitigate the harm of this crisis. And the current situation has been ex- exacerbated by st- strikes, and NHS workers among uh, them uh, are also striking, uh, and employees are withdrawing the labor overpay, which is lagging far behind inflation, rendering many to drop down to the breadline and beyond. Uh, those working in the NHS are worst hit, uh, to have nurses reduced to having to go to uh, food banks in order to make ends meet is tragic. Uh, but the government, it appears, is in a bind. Uh, this is what it argues. It argues that if it yields to pay demands, then this will inf- this will fuel inflation and, we'll, and we will be back to the same position a year down the line where prices would have risen more and the pay increase this year will just not be enough. It needs the NHS workers and others who are striking to be more patient. That's the argument that is put. I don't know what your view is on this. Um, should the government yield or should it uh, persist in holding on to its position of not uh, increasing pay because it feels that uh, it would be detrimental to the overall condition uh, of the economy and to our future. Uh, so if you have a view, do call. Uh, the number is 208 or you can tweet us at uh, Voice of Islam UK. Imam Fareed is with us. Uh, is there are there any is there any news that you can share with us uh, concerning uh, the Amdi Muslim community? Yeah. So <coughs> the two weeks ago, Hazu. The world head of the worldwide Ahmadi Muslim community had a n- virtual meeting with the Ahmadis of Morocco, and mm-hmm. this is what happened. That it says that on the Sunday, the first of January, twenty twenty-three, members of the Jamaat Ahmadiyya, Morocco's National Amla, which is ex- executive committee, as well as the members of National Amla and the Lajna Imala, Morocco were blessed with the opportunity to of meeting Hazu. Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, uh, the fifth caliph, may Allah strengthen his hand. Uh, after conveying the salam, uh, Hazur led everyone in silent prayer. After that, the Amla members had the opportunity to introduce themselves and to, and the work was assigned to them. First, uh, the Hazur addressed the national president of Jamaat Ahmadiyya, Morocco and asked him how his tour of Burkina Faso has been. He replied that it had been very successful by the grace of Allah and thanked Huzur um, for sending uh, him there. Huzur asked if he had enjoyed it, to which he replied in, in the affirmative. He also added that he had visited the Masuraya Institute and found it to be a wonderful place. And then Hazur made, and then Hazur, uh, then said that you should make one in Morocco as well, with a smile on his face. And Sulsab replied, "Inshallah, with your prayers." Now, furthermore, it says that the next report uh, was the National General Secretary, who also served 
serves as the president of the Northwest Jamaat. He reported that there were seven majalis in total, with Casablanca being the largest one. A uh, president had been assigned to each of them, and they sent regular reports. So the Majlis Ansarullah, who serves as National Secretary Tarbiyat and General Secretary of East Jamaat, was next to report. He said he lived in a small town where only few Ahmadis lived. With regards to, to Tarbiyat, that is the upbringing, Huzur instructed, however, many Ahmadis live there. If their children are Ahmadis, it is the duty of the Tarbiyat department or the people who are responsible for the upbringing to undertake their Tarbiyat rather, they, rather than they should do the Tarbiyat of the Ahmadi children of the entire country so that the next generation may grow up in an Ahmadi environment. If you do not do the Tarbiyat of the children, you might stay Ahmadis, but the children would go wherever they desired. Hence, it is essential that you undertake their tarbiyat in order to take them, keep them attached to the Jamaat. And furthermore, says that tell the children that the Ahmadiyyat entails when, why we are Ahmadis, what are the prophecies of the Holy Prophet of Islam were, and what circumstances were going to arise in the latter days, which the, the Messiah and the Mahdi was to appear after the onset of these circumstances. And they should be familiar with all these basic basics of Ahmadiyyat. Moreover, they should know that we are Ahmadi Muslims and we are the true Muslims. We believe in the Holy Prophet, uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and we believe him to be the seal of the prophets. And we firmly believe that all these prophecies in all these in all of his prophecies and as far as the weather is concerned well there is another news which is also not very pleasing that snow is expected as floods uh, hit some parts of the country and the news is that the persistent rain that has followed some sections of the country over the past few days may well be replaced by the snow as the mercury drops. Parks and fields have been underwater across vast swathes of Wales and southwest of England, with more than 8 centimeters of rain falling in the three hours in the Rhonda Valley this morning. Now, the one of the reporters, he reported that the current run of very lively weather is being is still being driven by an active jet stream and the next few days we'll see low pressure systems queuing up in the Atlantic to bring further rain and strong winds. However the temperatures trend to trend downwards over the weekend with the great greater risk of seeing wintry hazards such as snow and ice. In the meantime, there will be some damaging winds overnight tonight for the Irish Sea coasts and the central parts of the country. Uh, gusts of over gusts of 75 miles per hour have already been reported over Ireland, and it says that on the Saturday will bring Saturday will bring another huge deluge, accompanied by strong winds. This time it will be the south coast that bears the brunt of the windy weather. 
and Sunday's shower will likely to be wintry in the north, even to lower levels. Looking ahead on to Monday and Tuesday, the spells of rain in south are likely to be preceded by hill, hill snow in higher areas. As rain continues, flood warning have, warnings have been issued across the parts of the UK, with some roads submerged and homes put at risk. Thank you. Um, uh, talking about the weather, uh, yes, uh, at the top of the program, in the run under the weather, we would be moaning the fact that it is uh, quite uh, uh, inclement uh, weather that we are uh, facing. Uh, but the trend seems to be that uh, temperatures are rising and it should give us cause for concern. Last year, the UK's uh, warmest year on record, uh, the, uh, the Met, Met Office has concern. The average annual temperature uh, in 2020 was more than 10 degrees centigrade uh, for the first time uh, and the National Weather Service said more, sorry, 10 degrees centigrade higher and the mean temperature across the 12 months was uh, more than 10.03 degrees centigrade, topping the previous all-time high of 9.88 degrees centigrade in uh, uh, 2014. It means 15 of the UK's top uh, 20 warmest years on record have all occurred this century, uh, with the entire top 10 uh, within the past two decades. Uh, Dr. Mark McCarthy, head of the Met National Climate Information Centre, said that although an arbitrary number, the UK is surprising an annual average temperature of uh, 10 degrees centigrade is uh, a notable moment in our uh, climatological history. This moment comes as no surprise. Since 1884, all the 10 years recording the highest annual temperature have occurred from 2003. It is clear from the observational record that human-induced global warming is already impacting the UK's climate. And uh, more on that is that all four nations set record for heat in 2022, with uh, England seeing the highest average temperature, uh, followed by Wales, Northern Ireland and Scotland. Greenhouse gases uh, still... La uh, lack uh, of uh, effective action or use of carbon fuels and the destruction of so much of the rainforest is all contributing to global warming. A lack of concerted uh, progress in changing our ways has to be addressed if we are to prevent this uh, descent or our descent into a climate abyss. Uh, may Allah give, us, give our leaders... Uh, and the leaders all over the world, the greatest sense. Um, other stories that uh, have come to the fore, well, uh, one is relating to pets. Uh, now, Hazrat Abu Huraira is, uh, uh, was a companion of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and uh, was no, uh, known for his fondness of cats. In fact, uh, the name Abu Huraira means uh, father of cats. And the Holy Prophet was one who urged his followers uh, to uh, treat animals well. Uh, he condemned their beating and forbade striking, branding or marking them on the face and uh, is reported to have said, a good deed done to an animal is as meritorious as a good deed done to a human being, while an act of cruelty to an animal is as bad as an act of cruelty to, to a human being. And this is why if we are going to get pets, 
uh, great care needs to be taken that the animals will be well looked after. Recent news, uh, this is from the Metro, uh, that say that insurers many pets report that more than a third of those who take up a pet, like a puppy, regret it, and more than half are surprised by how hard it was uh, to look after one. They're offering free sessions to newcomers. I'm sure other insurers will be doing something similar, so uh, uh, not promoting one or another. Uh, so that's uh, something uh, that uh, um, attracted our attention uh, when uh, looking through what is um, available in terms of news in the wider media. Also in the wider media is uh, something about cash. Uh, if you think we are moving towards a cashless society by paying for our wares by card or bank transfer, well, there's been a backlash, it seems. Nation building, nationwide Building Society has reported that cash withdrawals from the ATMs have left almost a fifth to 30.2 million transactions. And that's the first time in 13 years that the use of cash has increased. So the trajectory may still be uh, in the direction away from cash, uh, but uh, this particular year, it seems, uh, there has been... Um, um, a change. Uh, we'll see how people in 2024 and 2023 have to say. Then uh, there is also uh, the story about Biden's woes. Uh, U.S. President Joe Biden found himself in hot water recently with the discovery of classified papers in the offices where he worked before winning power. Uh, this was at the Washington's Penn Biden Center. The president says, I was briefed about this and surprised to learn that there are any government records that were taken to that office. He explained that he didn't know the contents of the papers and lawyers told him not to ask what was in them. It comes after uh, he called Donald Trump irresponsible for keeping thousands of secret files that were seized by the FBI at his Florida resort and are now the subject of a grand uh, jury investigation. So accusations of uh, uh, not doing what you say abound. Uh, so uh, if he's um, pointing the finger at Donald Trump for being irresponsible and, uh, and he's done the same thing, then uh, it does cause uh, difficulties. Uh, for him, does it not? Um, another story that's uh, also doing the round is about um, COVID and long COVID fears. Uh, there have been long uh, lingering fears about long COVID. Uh, this is where millions have suffered a loss of taste and smell. Uh, there have been breathing problems, brain fog, weakness, uh, palpitations, dizziness. Uh, among uh, those who are recovering from COVID. Um, so long after that, these symptoms seem to persist. Scientists studying these have found that some such symptoms disappear within a year, and also that the risk of persisting breathing problems is more common uh, among people who have not received a COVID-19 jab compared to those who have. Uh, the findings were published in the BMJ, that is the British Medical Journal, and based on one of the uh, biggest studies uh, in the world, 
Dr. Metal Bivas Benita, senior researcher, said that although the long COVID phenomena has been feared and discussed since the beginning of the pandemic, we observe that most health outcomes arising after a mild disease, co- uh, mild disease course remained for several months and returned to normal within the first year. And uh, our study suggests that mild disease does not lead to serious or chronic long-term morbidity and adds a small continuous burden on healthcare providers. Now, those not directly uh, related to this particular study have also given their comments. Professor Lawrence Young, uh, a virologist at Warwick University, said, this study is very encouraging. However, long-term effects are more common in people who had severe COVID, which is associated with a number of different systems, uh, symptoms, such as breathing problems and fatigue. Uh, the study that did reveal uh, the findings that uh, these uh, particular symptoms would only persist for, for a year looked at data uh, on almost 2 million people registered with uh, a healthcare provider uh, who had taken a COVID test between March 2020 and October 2021. And uh, there are other stories. Uh, the passport price to increase. Now, if your passport is expired or due to expire shortly, better get your application in now. This is because the cost of renewal is to increase next month. Uh, the government said that it will reduce uh, new passport fees for all applications on February the 2nd. Uh, currently, the fee for a standard online application will ri- uh, is uh, £75.50 and it's going to rise by another £7 to £82.50 for adults. So uh, get your applications ready, get your applications in before it's too late and you have to pay that £7, uh, I think it's £7 uh, extra. Um, there, there is other news. We can spend more time on the, on these kind of news uh, uh, in a view of uh, the schedule that we have. Um, um, good news. Uh, one is that uh, petrol is uh, cheaper since uh, the uh, Russian invasion. Uh, so this is something that was... Uh, recorded in the Times a couple of days ago that the, the litre of, pet, uh, of petrol uh, has fallen it's to its lowest level since Russia began its assault uh, <coughs> last February. Uh, the average pem- uh, pump price across the UK has fallen below uh, £1.50 uh, for the first time. Uh, the price of petrol and diesel soared after uh, uh, President Putin uh, launched uh, the invasion hitting uh, £1.9153, sorry, uh, yes, £1.91 a litre uh, in uh, July the 3rd, taking the cost of filling the average family car tank over £100. Luke uh, Bosdat, a spokesman for the AA, said a 41.8p litre crash in the average pump price of petrol is a huge relief for drivers, cutting £22 or nearly £23 from the cost of filling the typical 55-litre car tank. But he said that petrol prices were still historically way above what they should be adding, indicative of the chaos 
of UK pump pricing and the rampant exploitation of drivers by many fuel retailers. The AA spotted supermarket and non-supermarket retailers yesterday charging less than £1.40 a litre in South Wales and Northern Ireland. So uh, that's uh, some bit of good news. Uh, but uh, for motorists, the, on the opposite end, uh, there is this piece that says that car park fees uh, set to soar as councils run out of cash. So this seems to be a way for councils uh, to raise cash, and uh, it is at the expense of the motorists. Motorists, motorists face double-digit rises in parking charges, uh, the uh, Times says, as councils scramble for ways to boost their coffers, Southend, York, Rutland, Senate, and the London uh, borough of Waltham Forest are amongst the local authorities that have announced they will be increasing parking fees by about 10% from April. In Cornwall, charges will rise by 29% at the most popular uh, tourist uh, uh, spots, taking an hourly ticket to £2.20. In Dudley, in the West Midlands, the price of an all-day ticket will rise by 43% to £5. Bristol City will double the cost at some of the car parks. Uh, government figures show that local authorities make almost £1.8 billion a year from parking fees. Uh, Jack uh, Cousins, head of the roads uh, policy for the AA, told the uh, Daily Mail, Residents should soon vote with their wheels and decide it's easier to avoid the town centre and uh, shop online. But it'll be good for the environment, I suppose, wouldn't it? Uh, but that's a thought that uh, um, could be shared. Anyway, families across the country are also braced for a 5% increase in council tax bills from April as well. So councils really, uh, you know, stretching uh, every uh, opportunity they can in order to uh, make ends meet. I suppose they have uh, uh, expenses uh, to consider. Anyway, a spokesman for the local government association, which represents hundreds of councils across England and Wales, said local authorities were under intense financial pressure, uh, uh, adding the cost of providing public services has dramatically increased with rising inflation. So as we're reeling under the um, rise uh, in prices of fuel uh, and uh, there is a, a crisis in that respect, we also have to now face the uh, sad news that we will have to pay more uh, as motorists as well. Uh, now, uh, one other story that I think is of interest or could be of interest to some is about, um, I think the standard, this can be described as the standard of education overall of um, the public. And uh, this, uh, in some respects, one can argue, uh, has been raised over the years, which is a good thing, uh, and is indicated by those people who have degrees. Uh, most people, or more people, have a degree or equivalent uh, than uh, 10 years ago, and fewer have no qualifications. Uh, and so this is what has been revealed by the census. I remember uh, when I was growing up in the 80s, uh, the statistic was that uh, uh, 12%, uh, one in six, uh, or in fact even 
uh, uh, more than, uh, less than that of uh, individuals had degrees. Very few people were supposed to have degrees. So the degrees, having a degree was rare among, uh, uh, among the public. But now uh, one in three have degrees, so that's uh, a positive uh, feature. The Office for National Statistics said that there were 11.5 million school children and full-time students in 2021 in England and Wales, accounting for 20.4% of the population. Of those aged 16 and over, 33.8% had at least a level 4 qualification, such as a higher national certificate or diploma, a bachelor's degree, or postgraduate qualification. In 2011, the figure was 27.2%. Uh, the ONS said uh, that this gap was partly down to changes in the way questions were structured. Uh, the total was highest in London, with 46.7% of the population holding such, uh, such qualification, compared with 28.6% of student uh, residents in the northeast, uh, the English region with the lowest proportion. So still there is that uh, divide, it seems, uh, not only in terms of commerce and in terms of affluence, but also in terms from this statistic in uh, respect of education as well. Um, now, Nick Hillman, director of the Higher Education Policy uh, Institute uh, think tank said, London does well partly because people move there, but also because the education system in the capital is very good thanks to conscious decisions by policymakers over many years. I suppose the question that should be posed is why can't those same policies uh, be enacted elsewhere? And uh, anyway, Nick Hillman goes on to say, if other areas are to compete with London, they need similar, similar levels of investment and commitment, point I was making. <coughs> the jury is out on whether that is likely to happen given recent political changes. Uh, Henry Morrison, uh, chief executive of uh, Northern Powerhouse Partnership, said the skills gap between the North and the South is a serious issue. Alongside, educa alongside education, it is a most significant uh, driver of why productivity is lower here than in London and the Southeast. Well, I think that's enough of uh, uh, news that is circula circulating around uh, in the media and uh, news of what is taking place uh, in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, it's time that we move on to uh, the first of uh, our topics, uh, our main topics, uh, which is to do with uh, random acts of kindness. Uh, so before we uh, approach that, we'll go for a short break and then we'll be back to stay with us. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Bismillah uh, ar in the name of Allah, the gracious and merciful, uh, peace be upon him. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show of the Voice of Islam with Imam Farid and myself, Farid Ahmed. The time 
is uh, 7.42. It's Friday, the 13th of January, 2023. As mentioned before the short break, uh, we're going to be discussing the first of our main uh, topics. It's about teens' random acts of kindness raise uh, £55,000. It's something we picked up from the BBC website. And uh, the um, brief outline of this particular story is about... um, this teenager who raised almost £55,000 by carrying out thousands of random acts of kindness each year. Sebi Hall started uh, during the pandemic in March 2020 with a pledge to raise £1,000, and nearly three years uh, on, he continues to smash the target. This year, his deeds have included hand-delivering 52 teddies to often displaced from the homes in Ukraine. Kindness is my superpower, he said. Uh, he's only 19 years old, and he's been learning. Uh, uh, he has learning and physical difficulties. After seeing an article about children from orphanages in Dnipro, uh, Ukraine, um, arriving in Scotland, Sebi instantly wanted to help and make them smile. Uh, with help from his mum, Ashley Hall, 52, and sponsorships from a real company and hotel, he was able to travel from his home in Lichfield, Staffordshire, to Edinburgh with the goal of spreading happiness. It was the most joyful and heartwarming act of kindness, uh, Mrs. Hall said. The young philanthropist's request hasn't stopped there. Throughout the year, he has carried out uh, good deeds every day. Despite uh, living with a rare chromosome anomaly which has resulted in low muscle tone and speech problems with support from his family, he hasn't let the condition stop him. Last year, uh, he set up the Sebi Hall Kindness Foundation. The aim is to help disabled and vulnerable people um, because he, um, he doesn't uh, he, he doesn't want anyone to feel lonely. Uh, his mum told the BBC after his diagnosis uh, at one years old, we were told he would never walk, talk, sit up, or understand anything. So for him, doing this is a positive story for other people who are faced with diversity and uh, um, or, or disability. He's also the isolated uh, person that he's helping. He can't read or write, so can't text or ring people. So the organizations that he's funding are to help others in a similar situation. You can make a difference every day in a little way. It doesn't have to cost. As well as having supporters as far away as the Netherlands, celebrities including Anton Deck, Catherine Tate, Uh, And Games of Thrones actor Richard Blake have also uh, supported the cause. Uh, The Sebi uh, Teddy campaign was also launched this year to help spread the word and encourage others to join in with random acts of kindness. All his life, people have have, have had to help him because of his disabilities. Day-to-day life is hard, but he gets the chance to do something for someone else. Um, This is what uh, Mrs. Hall said. His efforts were highlighted across the country after he won an accolade at the National Diversity Awards Ceremony, where he struck up up a friendship with uh, Harvey Price, no other than that. Um, Now, um, we do have uh, uh, a clip uh, to uh, 
share with you. This is uh, something that is from a speech made at the annual convention in 2018 by Mr. Zahid Khan. So this is what he had to say. The Holy Prophet was known as Al-Amin by the Meccans, but as soon as he made his claim, he was persecuted and ridiculed by those same very people. The promised Messiah prior to his claim was championed as the savior of Islam, but as soon as under divine command had he made his claim that he too faced the most bitter opposition. He always displayed patience, sympathy, and kindness to those people who opposed him. This is the subject I must speak on today. Today we feel in a world that is filled with hate, violence, and rancor. And the incidence of the kindness of the promised Messiah even to his opponents is a lesson for all of humanity. Whenever the world has stood in need of guidance, Allah the Almighty has sent his messenger to the world. Allah reminds us in the Holy Quran, وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ عُمَّةِ الرَّسُولِ And we did raise among every people a messenger. The verse continues preaching, preaching worship Allah and shun the evil one. Then among them are some who are rightly guided and among them are some who become deserving of ruin. Two groups emerge. One, those lives undergo a pure transformation, and the other who spend all their energies in the rejection of the prophet tooth and oppose him tooth and nail. At the head of the 14th century in fulfillment of prophecies, the promised Messiah and Mahdi salam, was raised for the renaissance of Islam. In 1889, he laid down the conditions that one must fulfill and took the oath of allegiance. Kindness and sympathy to others was considered so important that even two of these 10 conditions emphasized this subject. The fourth condition I lay before you, that under the impulse of any passions, he shall cause no harm whatsoever to the creatures of God in general and Muslims in particular, neither by his tongue, hand, or by any other means. So one has to agree, one has to concede that with conditions, basic conditions such as these, the emphasis is on the kind treatment to the whole of mankind. Hazur himself stated, I proclaim to all Muslims, Christians, Hindus, and Aryas that I have no enemy in the world. I love mankind with the love that a compassionate mother has for her children, even more so than that. Ladies and gentlemen, these were not mere words, but time and time again we find incidents in his life which prove this beyond 
a shadow of any doubt. It truly was love for all, hatred for none. Onlookers are left dumbfounded that his heart melts for the sympathy of mankind while having no concern for his own self. We know that Allah the Almighty showed many signs in support, many grand signs in support of the truth of the promised Messiah. The eclipses are one and the plague is another. He repeatedly made announcements warning people of the impending calamity of the plague and urging them to turn to God. He feared that they would suffer, did they not. Hazrat Maulwi Abdul Karim Sahib anhu, relates that for a time in Qadiyan, he stayed in Qadiyan, and for a time his retreat was a room above the Baitul Dua and was a witness at first hand of the supplications of the promised Messiah in the darkness and the stillness of the night. While everyone else slept, he would hear the promised Messiah in deep, deep supplication. He says with so much pain, so much anguish, that it was as if there was a woman who was giving childbirth. When he listened intently, he was amazed that Hazur was beseeching, pleading with his Lord, pleading that people be saved from the chastisement of the plague. This to me, ladies and gentlemen, is the epitome of the kindness of the promised Messiah towards those who rejected him. It was a matter between him and his creator. No one was there to witness these supplications. While knowing on the one hand that if a disbelieving people escaped the punishment of the plague, they would rejoice. Yet he laments for their safety. And it is only by chance that a companion overhears these cries and reports that to us. Right, so that was um, uh, Dr. Zaid Khan on uh, the example of the founder of the Amdim community, the uh, Promised Messiah, and uh, an example that is uh, something reflected by the conduct of all prophets of God, that uh, they are uh, very much minded to pray not only for their own kith and kin, for their own supporters, but also for their enemies, those who oppose them and those who reject them and uh, um, are abusive to them, that even to them uh, there is a, a, a sea of kindness, a wealth of kindness that is displayed. Uh, so that is in many ways the very epitome of kindness that uh, is displayed by the prophets of God. Uh, we do have also examples of kindness being displayed by their uh, successors. And if we do have time, we'll share one or two clips uh, demonstrating that as well. But uh, before that, let me uh, ask our uh, Imam, uh, Imam Fareed to give us uh, an Islamic angle to, uh, a further Islamic angle to this uh, particular topic. So, yeah, <clears throat> so as far as the Holy Quran is concerned, the verse of the Holy Quran, which so comp comprehensively covers the concept 
of the service to humanity reads that, O people of Islam, you are the best people ever raised for the good of the mankind because you have been raised to serve others. You enjoin what is good and forbid evil and believe in Allah. That is from chapter 3 verse 111. And furthermore, it says that you will remain the best as long as you serve, as you are service-minded, promote good and promote welfare of society. If you fail to do this, you no longer have a right to boast of the superior, superiority of Islam and the Muslim Ummah. A society which is insensitive to the suffering of the other human beings and is not always inclined to serve the cause of humanity cannot be described as an Islamic society. No matter how much it adhered to the other aspects of Islamic teachings, the fundamental qualities that were all all must acquire to serve the mankind or to develop a passion to serve mankind are love for humanity, kindness in our hearts for others, a charitable disposition, humility, honesty, a thirst for knowledge, a desire to share knowledge with others, and constant desire to strive in the cause of Allah by doing good. We must be a people from whom goodness flows towards others. The teachings of the Holy Quran and the example of the Holy Prophet uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, direct us on how best to serve mankind. The Holy Prophet of Islam, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, practice the teachings of the Holy Quran to the fullest extent and is the best example for the and the true of the true representation of service to mankind and to Allah. That is why it says in the Holy Quran, and do not forget to do good to one another, that's from chapter 2, verse 238. And about the Holy Prophet, peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, it says in the Holy Quran that, And we have sent you not but as a blessing and mercy for the entire universe of all the peoples. Of all the peoples. And this is from chapter 21, verse 108. Verily you have, verily you have in the Prophet of Allah an excellent model. And this is from chapter 33. Now the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, emphasized love, sympathy, kindness towards and kindness towards all. He also emphasized that we must show each other the great appreciation. It's He said that in one of his narrations that So simply that the one who is not the one who is not grateful to humanity is not grateful to Allah. And this is from the book of Hadith which is Tirmidhi. And the promised Messiah, may peace and blessing of Allah be upon him had a greater compa- a great compassion for mankind. He said, Sympathy for all mankind is a moral obligation and a duty that religion is no re- religion which does not inculcate sympathy, nor does that man deserve to be called a man who does, n- uh, does, no ha- does not have sympathy in him. 
in the mess from it is from the message of peace and furthermore the prophet messiah uh, said that the teachings of the holy quran can be divided into two major categories the first being the unity of god love and obedience to him and the second is to treat kindly uh, your to your brothers and the fellow beings and furthermore he says that be kind and merciful to the humanity and always work for the good of the mankind now ex- extracts are taken from the book the nawazak and this is also from the prophet messiah uh, may peace and blessings of allah be upon him he says that be kind and merciful to humanity for all are his creatures do not oppress them with your tongue or your hands or in any other way in any other way always work for the good of mankind never unduly arrest yourselves with pride or others even even those who are placed under you never use abusive language or any for anyone even though he abuses you be humble in spirit and kind and gentle forgive and forgiving and sympathetic towards all wishing them well so you should be accepted and we'll continue that after the news break you are listening to the recording of a live show please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed peace be upon you good morning welcome back to the breakfast show of the voice of islam with imam farid ahmed myself and myself farid ahmed the time is 2 minutes past eight. it is friday the 13th of january 2023 we were discussing the subject of kindness before the break and in particular uh, what the founder of the amdi muslim community had written in one of his books Kishtinu, uh, which translates as Noah's Ark, and we we're running through one or two uh, uh, aspects of that. So, uh, Imam Farid, if you can continue and enlighten us further, please. Yep. So, in the same book, uh, the Noah's Ark, it says that there are many who pretend to be kind, gentle, and forgiving, but inside they are wolves. There are many on the outside who look pure, but in their hearts they are serpents. you cannot accept you, you cannot be accepted in the presence of your lord unless you are pure both on the inside and the out uh, if you are big have mercy for those who are small not contempt uh, if you are wise and well versed in learning serve the ignorant with the word words of wisdom never desire to bring disgrace on on their ignorance by trying to show off your own learning If you are rich instead of treating them with self-centered full pride you should serve the poor be aware of the paths of destruction and fear the lord be righteous do not fall in the worship uh, before the cre- do not fall in worship before the cre- creation of god turn wholly and solely to him so that you lose interest in this world and furthermore it says that these are the ex- extracts taken from the book absolute justice kindness and kingship written by the fourth uh, caliph of the yamadi muslim community hat mirza tahir ahmed and may allah be pleased with him so uh, allah has enjoined us to take care of the wide range of rights of the human kind hence it is required that when allah expands one's resources o reader of the quran give relative their due rights and also give the rights to the poor who do not beg similarly give the due rights to the wayfarer 
This is a beautiful teaching for those who require Allah's favor and always look towards Him, wondering how Allah treats them and whether He is happy with them or angry with them. People who do not accordingly are the ones who people who do accordingly are the ones who are truly redeemed. Again, the Holy Quran declares that and worship Allah and associate not with Him and show and show kindness and to parents and to the kindred and orphans and the needy and the neighbor that is the king that is the kinsman and the neighbor that is a stranger and the companion by your side and the wayfarer and those whom your right hands possess surely Allah loves not the proud and the boastful and this is from chapter 4 verse 37 and furthermore on the topic of charity it says that so once the holy prophet of Allah peace and blessing of Allah be upon him led a prayer and rushed towards his house straight after it now the people inquired that O prophet of Allah what happened and the holy prophet of Allah peace and blessing of Allah be upon him replied that he realized that he still has some money which he can spend in charity so he said that I, without any further ado, I just rushed towards my house and I gave that money out for charity. So this incident shows that the Holy Prophet was very quick when it comes to charity and if he had some sort of money, he would give it to charity straight away and without any delay because he knew the importance of charity. And furthermore, it says that uh, even if someone comes up to you, comes to you and he has a horse with him and he's riding it, and he asks you for charity, then you should give it to him, regardless of the fact that he owns a horse and indeed he is a rich man. So charity uh, is must, even if someone's poor or rich. Obviously, the idea is that you take charity from the rich and give it to the poor. But this incident shows you that the teachings of Islam are that charity is to be given as a must and we need to help others. This is what the uh, teachings of Islam are indeed. Thank you. Um, uh, earlier on, um, I was mentioning that uh, even the successors of uh, prophets are very prone to engage in acts of kindness. I've got a couple of clips uh, in front of me on my screen. I think uh, both of them uh, are showing uh, and uh, will illustrate those acts of kindness. Uh, so let's uh, hear what they have to say. Hazrat Umar, radiallahu anhu, was known for his great governance. He would often patrol the streets at night to ensure nobody was left suffering unduly. On one occasion, he was walking in the dark and he heard some children crying. Attracted by the sound, he went to the tent from which it came. Whenever he got to the tent, he saw a woman sitting before a fire. It appeared the woman was cooking something while her small children sat crying nearby. It was late for the children to have their meal. Umar, radiallahu anhu, stepped up to the woman and inquired, What is in the pot on the fire? She explained that she had no food to give the children and had placed a pot full of water and stones on the fire in order to give them the impression that the food would be ready. Hazrat Umar, radiallahu anhu, was distressed to hear this. He hurried back to the state store, picked up a bag of flour, meat, cooking oil, and some dates, and rushed back to the tent 
his servant begged him to let him carry the load. But he refused, saying, It is my responsibility. You will not carry my burden on the day of judgment. Arriving at the tent, he delivered the provisions to the woman and told her to prepare the meal. In the meantime, the children, so exhausted, had fallen asleep. Hazrat Umar, radiallahu anhu, waited until the meal was fully prepared and the children were awakened and fed. The woman thanked him for his kindness and by way of expressing gratitude said, it would be far better if you were the Khalifa of the Muslims rather than that Umar, who is not aware of the condition of his people. Hazrat Umar, radiallahu anhu, said, well, mother, Umar may not be so bad after all. So that's a very touching story, often related about Hazrat and uh, also demonstrates the responsibility that was felt by Muslim rulers uh, over their subjects, that there was this uh, feeling of uh, serving rather than just ruling. Uh, now, there is also another clip uh, before me. It's about uh, the third caliph of Islam, Hazrat Usman, and his conduct uh, during uh, a famine that took place. Now, one thing that stands out about Hazrat Usman anhu, and Hazur has spoken about this, he, he mentions his incidences of generosity and compassion and, and love for the brothers and sisters of, of Islam. Where the Muslims in Medina were again suffering from a famine and, and, and a drought, Hazrat Usman anhu, he, at this time he is returning from a business trip and he has so many different goods with him. And the, and the, and the merchants and the businessmen of, of Medina approach him at that time and they say to him, look, at this time, we can all get together. We can happily, easily boycott all of the residents of Medina. We can bump up the prices of our goods and we can make a huge profit because these people are desperate. They have no choice but to buy from us. Hazrat Usman, when he heard this, all of the goods that he had initially planned to sell to the people of Medina, he distributed them amongst all of the people, free of cost, without any recompense from anybody else. Now this was his generosity and his compassion for the people living there at that time. So that's another very appropriate clip uh, to be shared at this uh, juncture uh, discussing this particular topic. It shows uh, essentially the compassion that was shown by um, the caliphs of uh, Islam uh, towards others. Uh, one in times of uh, famine, as we just heard, and uh, the other as a sense of duty uh, to attend to, to the needs of the underprivileged. So certainly very uh, striking examples for, for us all. I suppose uh, the, these kinds uh, of acts uh, of kindness uh, are born out of um, a need to serve uh, because, uh, as was indicated by the translation of the verse that Imam Farid read out, uh, the Quran quite clearly uh, <coughs> emphasizes the importance uh, of kindness to others, that next uh, to the worship of Allah, uh, the next uh, instruction is to show kindness. Um, so uh, this is uh, something that um, needs to be taken on board. And uh, it is something also that uh, uh, it very much motivates 
uh, members of the armed Muslim community in the numerous uh, organizations that they have established uh, and uh, the work that is being done by the auxiliary organizations, both that uh, consist of men under 40 and uh, those over 40, that uh, these two main organizations uh, contribute to uh, a lot of uh, charities by raising funds uh, with uh, charity walks and uh, other activities. More than a million is, uh, pounds is raised often every year and given to charities for their good causes. Uh, and I know for a fact that the charity Walk for Peace that is an organization presided over by the uh, uh, elders of the Amdiya Muslim committee, those who are over 40, uh, do, do not draw any, any administrative funds in the activities that they engage in. Everything that is collected is uh, donated to charities. And uh, as far as administrative and organization costs are concerned, they're funded by their own uh, their own uh, their own coffers so it's very much a purely uh, philanthropic exercise that is engaged in by by them and in addition to that uh, the elders have also um, been able recently to open uh, uh, the Mansur Mansur Eye Hospital which is in Burkina Faso uh, very much a first in the sense that they have also been charged with the responsibility of running it. So this is an, uh, a hospital that will serve um, the people of that country uh, and will serve them at no cost uh, to them. So it's also something, uh, an activity that is born out of uh, kindness, which in turn is born out of this uh, very important uh, a sense of duty that is expressed in Islam about showing kindness to, to people. There are many other examples, and this is uh, just one. There we have uh, also the example of uh, the IAAE. This is the International Ahmadi uh, Architects and Engineers uh, Association, uh, which um, spends... Uh, a lot of uh, effort in uh, alleviating the uh, suffering of the poorer uh, sections uh, and poorer countries or people in the poor countries of the world. Uh, uh, water pumps, uh, eye um, operations, uh, and uh, also model villages uh, have been uh, enacted by, by this organization. And it is uh, funded by donations from members of the Hamdiya Muslim community. And uh, it is uh, uh, implemented, if that is the right word, but uh, uh, the whole organization actually draws on the experience and expertise of professionals within the Hamdiya Muslim community who then give their time free of charge <coughs> in order to uh, enact <coughs> enact these 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 projects. So again, something that is born out of kindness to others, which in turn is born out of uh, a sense of duty. 
to serve others, which is part of, uh, uh, very much part and parcel of uh, Islamic teachings. Um, so I think that um, that perhaps, and one, one charity I must not forget to mention is, of course, Humanity First, uh, that was established in the 1990s in the wake of the Bosnian conflict. Uh, but it is a charity that has since expanded uh, and has branches in some 50 countries of the world. And it is one that is dedicated to alleviating the suffering of those in need, irrespective of their uh, class, color, or creed. And it is uh, a charity that is doing sterling work uh, in its uh, in its uh, in trying to attain uh, its objective. And something again born out of a sense of kindness, which in turn is born out of this sense of duty that Islam conveys for, uh, um, Islam teaches uh, for, uh, teaches to be enacted. Right, so uh, we're coming to the conclusion of this particular topic. If there is anyone who wants to uh, get in their pennies worth, then please uh, do ring uh, 0208687. 7878 is the number, or you can tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. Now, we have to move on to the second of our main topics. It's about uh, free school uh, meals. Uh, Marcus Rashford, I'm sure, will be pleased to hear this because uh, he very much was uh, a proponent of, uh, of uh, this and uh, what Jamie Oliver is uh, calling for, uh, uh, Jamie Oliver, if you don't know him, is a famous chef, uh, celebrity chef, as some would, uh, would describe him. Um, now, he's calling for expansion of free school meals in England. Uh, it's something we picked up from the Guardian uh, website. And, uh, well, essentially the gist of the story is that um, uh, he has renewed pressure on the government to expand free school meals, uh, with George Osborne suggesting widening the program could be the right way forward and Tony Blair saying the money could be found if politicians wanted to do it. So he's got uh, support from both uh, politicians of the right and of the left. Uh, the television chef highlighted the issue as he uh, was guest editing BBC Radio 4's Today programme on Tuesday as part of his long-term campaign on free school meals. While stopping short of supporting Oliver's campaign, he said the overall objective, which is having better uh, fed, uh, healthier kids, is a good one. I certainly support, uh, and uh, um, he says I support, certainly support, and I, it may well be in my mind, uh, I'm not active in politics today, that uh, providing for better school meals for a much larger group of the population is the right way forward. Um, so this is uh, uh, what was being said uh, by one of the politicians. Uh, referring to the footballer, I've made mention of him twice now, but this is the third time, Marcus Rashford's successful campaign to get free school meals extended to the holidays during the COVID pro uh, pandemic George Osborne added, certainly I think the current kind of Tory dance of like, no, 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 and then the footballer jumps up and says yes, and they do, and they go, all right, uh, is not a good one 
politically for 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 my party. So George Osborne, if you don't remember, was a, a chancellor in uh, David Cameron's uh, uh, government, uh, so very much a Tory. Um, and he also suggested the government needed to do more to tackle obesity with an expansion of sugar taxes. Asked what approach he would take if he was still in government, he said, I would extend the sugar levy to non-sugary uh, product, uh, products and I would actually go ahead with that ban on advertising because I think that's been well-versed now for many years and I think it uh, would be a good thing. So this is George Osborne. Uh, at the moment, only the lowest-income households get free school meals. Children of parents who are on universal credit and have an annual income of no more than 7400 or are uh, on another benefit, such as job seekers' allowance, are eligible for free school meals. There is still controversy over uh, free school meals during the holidays. In 2020, Rashford um, called for the government to extend its uh, 15 pounds free school meal vouchers initially set up to uh, feed children in uh, term time when school meals were closed by the pandemic into the holidays. Johnson, uh, this is Boris Johnson, the uh, former uh, uh, Prime Minister, uh, and his then-Chancellor, who's now the current uh, Prime Minister, Rishi uh, Sunak, uh, dug their heels in and refused only to be forced into a humiliating U-turn each time after waves of children uh, uh, involve, um, got involved in um, in campaigns and, in fact, waves of uh, uh, adults in particular um, um, quoting uh, criticism against uh, the stance adopted by that government. However, since then, councils across England have been quietly axing holiday food, food voucher schemes uh, Blair said it was possible to find the money for free school meals and people would accept that investment in children's future uh, was was critical. Uh, I'm just uh, just amused at the way that um, people uh, try to get over or organizations or institutions try to get over uh, what they, uh, they are doing reluctantly by finding ways uh, to get out, out of their responsibilities and their commitments. It's not something that um, uh, should be should be promoted or encouraged. The, lobby, the famous law, uh, Labour, or the former Labour Prime Minister Tony Blair said it was important, particularly today, when the pressures on families are enormous and when there are levels of poverty that we really haven't seen in the country for a long period of time. For the sums of money you're going to spend on early years, if you really have the will to do it, I promise you, having been in government, you could find the money necessary to do this. Uh, so this is what Tony Blair was saying. He urged Oliver uh, to, do, uh, to do it as you did it before, such as, uh, which is to sit down with political leaders from both political parties and get them to make the commitments. A Department for Education spokesman later said, we understand the pressures many households are under, that is why we are supporting more children and young people than ever before. Over a third of pupils in England currently receive free school meals in education settings, and we have just announced a further investment in the National School Breakfast Program, extending the program for another year, backed up by £30 million. We have acted on soaring energy costs through the energy price crisis, uh, uh, sorry, through, through the energy price guarantee, saying a typical 
uh, household over 900 pounds this winter um, uh, has been saved. Um, the energy bills support scheme is also providing a 400 pounds discount to millions of households uh, this winter. Further support is available for the most vulnerable who would receive 1,200 pounds each this year. So this is what uh, they are um, uh, stating. These are uh, this is, these are representatives of the government in order to demonstrate that they're doing a lot and perhaps what they're being asked to do for by Jamie Oliver is not something that uh, they are minded to do at the moment. But uh, will they uh, change their minds? I wonder uh, if there's enough uh, um, uh, pressure from the public. Uh, they will change their minds. And, uh, well, let's see what, what happens. Uh, in a few seconds, uh, um, Imam Farid will give the Islamic perspective to this story. So I'll hand over the mic to him. Over to you, Imam Farid. Yep, so as far as the Islamic perspective is concerned, <coughs> regarding the free meals, so uh, it says in the Holy Quran, in the chapter 2, verse 84, that Allah the Almighty instructs Muslims to speak kindly at all times, to be considerate of the feelings of the others, <coughs> of the other of uh, the other people, and to love and protect the vulnerable members of the society, such as the orphan children or those living in poverty or destitution. Thereafter, in chapter 51, verse 20 of the Holy Quran, it states that the hallmark of true Muslim is that he should uh, care for all the God's creation and should comfort and support those in need whether they seek their, uh, their help or not. Hence, it is not enough for, them, for a Muslim to wait until someone asks for help. Rather, he, it is his duty to recognize the sufferings of the others and to make, and make whatever sacrifices are required in order to help them overcome their challenges or troubles. Further, in chapter, 80, in chapter 90, verses 15 to 17, it says that Muslims are instructed to feed the hungry, to show empathy and love to orphans, and to help anyone in need, especially those uh, who are in poverty or who are defenseless or, and weak. Muslims are taught to be the ones who comfort and love those, love those people who have been failed by the society and to carry the weight of their burdens on their own shoulders. Now, the Muslims are duty-bound to help the underprivileged people so that they can stand upon their own two feet, live with dignity, and be freed from their desperate circumstances. In return, the Quran states that the Muslims will be rewarded with increased spirituality, which in turn will take them towards God, Almighty, uh, God Almighty and make them recipients of His pleasure. Similarly, in chapter 2, verse 196, the Holy Quran states that if a person wishes to save himself from humiliation, degradation, and ruin, he must be kind generous and do good to others without expectations of anything in return in chapter 4 verse 37 of the holy quran states that the muslims should care for their neighbors and the 
and reiterates that it is the duty of the true Muslim to fulfill the rights of the needy and the orphans. It instructs Muslims to be benevolent and to treat anyone under their supervision with love, passion and affection. For example, if a Muslim has a subordinate at work, they should treat them with kindness and generosity. Furthermore, it says in chapter 47 verse 39 of the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty instructs Muslims to spend their wealth for the sake of helping others. Those who are unwilling to do so have been declared as niggardly, ungenerous, and the Quran states that such miserly ways are not liked by Allah and are a means of darkening a person's soul. So all these verses I've quote, quoted emphasize the fact that if Muslims desire to attain the love of Allah, the Allah the Almighty, they must first show love for the creation of God. And as far as the feeding children is concerned, once a woman approached Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her. She is a companion and a wife of the Holy Prophet of Islam. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Uh, <clears throat> and and inquired that if she has something to eat. To which Hazrat Aisha went inside, searched up the home, and she found only a date. Uh, and she gave that date to her. Now the woman, she split the date into two and fed, those, uh, fed the two parts to the two daughters he, she had. So it says that Hazrat uh, Aisha was surprised herself that she was hungry as well, but she sacrificed uh, it for her own daughters. So it so shows you that how important children are. And her sacrifice is indeed regarded as one of the best things that a mother can do for her children and furthermore it says that whenever the holy prophet of allah peace and blessings of allah be upon him brought food he would start off with children and if they obviously the present and then the adults would be served afterwards and he would start from the right side and obviously he would give it to children first and uh, yep that's it okay thank you very much uh, for that um very, very interesting uh, stuff there. We have a couple of clips that are relevant to what we have been discussing. So let's hear both of them, one after the other. Here we go. Our beloved master, Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has said that faith is another name for compassion. The listeners asked, and who should we be compassionate to? Our beloved master, responded that you should be compassionate to Muslim Ummah and all the other people. Through his compassionate and beautiful teachings, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, established the sanctity of human life, honor and property. He is recorded as having said that a Muslim is one from whose hand and tongue all the other Muslims are safe. And a believer is one from whom all the human beings are safe. Beloved Hazur graced the virtual mulakat with Majlis Khudam al from Singapore on the 19th of December 2021. A Khadim asked, how can a Muslim free their heart from hatred? Let's take a look. How can a Muslim free their heart from hate? Jazakumullah. You see, 
we are the followers of the, the Prophet, who is the last of the Prophets, and uh, whose heart was free of all such type of evils and bad things and hatred. Even Hazrat Masih has come in this age as a subordinate Prophet of the Holy Prophet And he said, I have come in this age to bring mankind closer to their Creator and secondly, to make them realize their duties towards their fellow beings. So, he says that he cannot discharge these duties unless our hearts are pure. And there should not be any enmity, animosity, jealousy in our hearts. Eh? And if that be the case, then we can discharge our duties towards each other. Right? For that even, yes, you are right, this target we cannot achieve on our own. We have to seek Allah's help. Right? For this. And for that you pray to Allah Ta'ala in your five time daily prayers. Allah Ta'ala purifies your heart and remove all the hatred from your heart for any person. Right? And then this is why Muslim Islam says that try to achieve this habit of forgiveness. Right? And there should not be any hatred in your heart for any person. We say istighfar for it. Always say istighfar. And then pray in your five daily prayers that Allah Ta'ala remove all type of evil things and hatred from your heart for any other person. Right, so there were those were a couple of clips that uh, we felt were relevant to uh, what uh, we've been discussing. I, so uh, we were dis- just discussing this subject just now was about preschool meals to children. And uh, the subject that we discussed earlier was regard, uh, regarding kindness, and I suppose they are very much linked uh, in uh, being uh, giving attention to those who are under, underprivileged among us. And this is something that <coughs> the um, um, Holy Quran very much emphasizes. Um, and it is, no, it is no surprise that uh, when we look at uh, the history of Islam, we find that uh, um, there was in the early years uh, um, a lot of uh, those who accepted Islam, they were from the uh, the uh, underprivileged, the those people who were uh, neglected in society, those people who uh, were um, um, persecuted, uh, not uh, because uh, of anything that uh, they had done that was wrong but because of the condition in society. And it is that that uh, motivated the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, to do something for them. And when Islam came, uh, then those very people that uh, he had been so uh, concerned about and was was willing to help uh, those very people then uh, on the basis of his background and of his history. Uh, were willing and uh, pleased to accept him. 
And in particular, uh, mention is made in the history books of uh, the society called the Hilpul Puzul, uh, which was established by uh, the uncle, an uncle of uh, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and a group of other well-wishers who were tired of uh, the iniquities that uh, were prevailing uh, in their society, where those people uh, who had might on their side uh, tended to uh, exercise the right and usurped uh, the um, uh, the rights of those uh, that were underprivileged, the poor, uh, the slaves, uh, the women. Um, and uh, he was among those that pledged that if uh, there was anyone who felt that a wrong had been committed against him or her because of his status or standing, then uh, he would uh, give uh, and restore that right uh, to them. And there is that example, isn't it? Do you remember um, uh, Imam Farid of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him? Um, uh, very much uh, adhering to that uh, pledge of his, uh, of Hilfrobazu, and when he became a prophet and claimed to be a prophet, and there was a lot of uh, opposition to him, um, there was one particular opponent of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, who had reserved the right of another individual, um, an individual who had uh, come from outside Makkah, and had uh, sold him, sold this uh, opponent something and uh, was not uh, uh, giving him payment for it. Uh, Abu Jahl was the name of the culprit. Uh, the, he was not, he was refusing to uh, pay the sum that he owed this individual who had come from the outside and he had nowhere to go but uh, he asked the Holy Prophet to intervene. What happened after that? So, so basically, um they knew that uh, the Holy Prophet of uh, Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is part of this uh, this uh, this campaign of Hilful uh, Fuzul, which is to help the needy mm. and the poor. And uh, he, they deliberately handed over the matters to the Holy Prophet, and just they knew that this is going to raise some conflicts because uh, the two parties, uh, as mentioned, the uh, Bujahal and her. Uh, the Holy Prophet um, did not like each other and obviously he hated the Holy Prophet because uh, he was against his religion mm. and yeah so and the Holy Prophet uh, <coughs> peace and blessing of Allah be upon him approached him and along with the man who was the uh, who was the victim and he approached and he said oh uh, Abu Jahl give him the payment he desires and to that, to that Abu Jahl, he reacted in, in a strange way that he went to his house and he grabbed the money and he gave it to him. Mm. Now the opponents of uh, Islam, they inquired him and said that this was a brilliant opportunity to humiliate, uh, God forbid, the Holy Prophet and why didn't you do that? Now he says that uh, when the Holy Prophet approached me, I, I, it seemed to me as if the two angry camels are standing behind him and if I don't comply to him those two camels will tear me apart so this is how God Almighty helps 
his prophet and obviously the holy prophet uh, peace and blessings of allah be upon him even though he wasn't uh, very influential as far as the politics are concerned of that uh, in mecca but he still went forward to help the ones in needy and he said that if i'm part of a campaign then i should do my utmost to um, help out mm-hmm. and furthermore regarding the you can say compassion towards the children he says that we must therefore give utmost importance in the upbringing of the of our successors by drawing up the lessons from the beloved prophet uh, peace and blessings of allah be upon him who has been the greatest role model for the humanity throughout the history not just through his words which serves as a guidance for mankind but also through his actions which is a source of an inspiration for many the prophet's uh, personality was not merely exemplified for a specific period or generation or nation or religion or race or place rather he is a lasting global symbol for all people to follow and it says that in one of the narrations it says that indeed uh, among the believers with the believers with the most complete faith is the one who is the best in conduct and most kind to his family now as far as the prophet uh, love and affection towards children is concerned it says that the holy prophet of allah uh, peace and blessings of allah be upon him has the inna- had innate nature of being a uh, mercy for all of god's creations is Uh, well undisputed his mercy is unparalleled and indeed his treatment of children and not just the uh, his own you can say progeny his own children but fathers as well in example of the example is given that the holy prophet would kiss and embrace his uh, children often as an expression of his tender love and mercy towards them in one of the narrations about children he says that hazrat Uh, Abu Huraira may Allah be pleased with him reported that Al-Aqra uh, is the name of a person and uh, he saw holy prophet uh, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him kissing Hazrat Hasan the grandson of the holy prophet and to that Aqra said that I have 10 ch- children but I've never kissed any of them um, whereupon the holy prophet replied that he he who does not show mercy towards his children no, no mercy would be shown to him and furthermore it says that he would also take an active interest in in their lives of the children despite his busy sh- uh, schedule for example when the pet bird of young child young child abu mer died he went out of his way to console him now it says that uh, and the narration is that the messenger of allah uh, peace and blessings of allah be upon him used used to come to visit us i had a younger brother younger brother who was called abu umar by the nickname and he had a sparrow which he played with but it died so one day the holy prophet uh, may peace and blessings of allah be upon him came to see him and saw him grieving he asked what is the matter with you the people replied his sparrow has died the holy prophet may peace be upon him fall be upon him then said o boomer what has happened to the little sparrow now in this this in this narration we see the example of the prophet who goes out of his way 
to help a young child, whereas many adults would brush away from such a seemingly trivial situation. And this kind of relationship can build trust and open communication and validation for the children. And there are some other examples as well. We will share them later on. Mm. If you have anything else. No, um, uh, it's just that uh, this um, concern for the poor, for the underprivileged, is something that uh, was very vividly uh, expressed by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in his uh, conduct and in his statements. Um, There was this occasion on the... Um, um, flight uh, to Medina on the journey to Medina during uh, when he was um, uh, ex- escaping from uh, the opponents that were bent on taking his life when he uh, migrated to Medina and entered Medina and uh, in one of his uh, first sermons that he delivered uh, he it is recorded that he directed uh, um, his community to, to three things. One was um, to uh, uh, to prayer, and the second was in remembering uh, God, and the third was uh, charity. And he said uh, on that occasion, if I remember correctly, that given given charity, even if it is. Um, um, a, a, fl- a, f- um, um, a sliver of a date, uh, and um, I, I can't remember the Arabic word, but it is one that relates to the small, sk- the skin, the flimsy skin that is found within the date, separating the stone from the date. He said, even if it is that, and it is that which is all you can give, then give it in charity because charity protects you from fire. So, yes, it is something that protects you from fire, but it was also something that the Holy Prophet was um, uh, encouraging his followers to do so that uh, the um, the needs of the underprivileged are, are served. And as far as possessions and money and uh, uh, resources are concerned, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, was uh, extremely generous in distributing it to those in need. In fact, it is recorded that during the last uh, uh, hours or days of his life, the uh, matters that uh, agitated uh, much uh, to him was uh, if he had anything uh, uh, in terms of wealth in his house, and uh, some uh, biographers remember uh, record that it was a small measure of gold. Others recall it was a small measure of silver, but he was very insistent of it being distributed uh, to the needy rather than be kept by him. So again, it shows uh, the Holy Prophet's concern uh, for those underprivileged in society. Um, and those who are in need, and for him to be able to uh, afford some benefit to them by distributing what he had uh, that he didn't need uh, to them. Um, so this is uh, um, the example of the Holy Prophet, peace be on him, that is very much born out of a sense of duty 
that uh, Islam lays uh, on believers of uh, showing kindness uh, to to others and of uh, uh, benevolence and uh, good conduct towards their fellow beings. So, zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number. Uh, if you want to contribute to this discussion, you by all means very much welcome. Our intrepid engineer, Akib uh, Ahmad Adnan, is uh, uh, hoping to uh, wire in your calls as soon as he receives them. Um, and um, uh, if you want to use Twitter, the more modern method, by all means do that. It's uh, uh, Voice of Islam UK is the is the Twitter handle. So we have been discussing two two main topics. Uh, the first one was to deal with um, kindness uh, to um, act, teens, random acts of kindness. We're just covering, I suppose, uh, the act of uh, uh, one uh, disabled individual uh, mustering the courage uh, and having some success in alleviating the suffering uh, of others. Uh, a, a very noble uh, act uh, many would, uh, I think everyone would uh, agree with. And the second uh, was carrying on from that uh, uh, initiative taken by uh, Marcus Rashford, the uh, Manchester United uh, striker, uh, in uh, his uh, effort to provide school, free school meals to uh, school children. Um, my son is a, I don't know whether you're interested in football, Imam Farid. My son is a Manchester, one of my sons, not all of my children. One of my sons is a <coughs> Manchester United supporter. And I'm sure that he will be uh, 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 jumping jumping up with joy at the mention of his uh, one of his favourite players. Uh, are you uh, also a football fan? Uh, well, do you follow football at all? I do follow football um, a little bit. Uh-huh. I'm not that passionate about it. Okay. But, yeah, so... Well, you, you know, you, you, are you aware of Manchester United? Yeah, it's I'm aware of Manchester United and Marcus many, Rashford and all. Oh, you know, guys. because I know many people, yeah. uh, you've trained in the uh, in the Theological Institute of the Ambia Muslim Community, um, and I know many students there are Manchester United fans. Uh, Manchester United fans and Germany fans. <laughs> Uh, I don't know whether you're aware of that, yeah, but I, no, no, when, no. I, when I do meet them and uh, come across them, well, that is what I that I tend to find. And they are very much interested in football. Mm. Mm. Have you been follow? Did you follow the World Cup? Uh, yeah, did. Mm? did I almost m- watched uh, the entire World Cup, almost not uh-huh. each and every game, but I think seventy percent of the games I didn't watch. Uh, do you think the right team won? Yeah, obviously. I mean, mm-hmm. Argentina—they were mm-hmm. too good oh, at yeah. times. Okay, they were not that good against Saudi Arabia, but yeah. if, uh, apart from that one bad game, they were really good. Mm-hmm. But, and you're not bemoaning the exit of Brazil, who are the favourites and many people. So. Well, the thing is that, um, as far as just the gameplay is concerned, I was discussing mm-hmm. with someone that, as far as gameplay is concerned, you could argue that you know, Brazil had better defense, attack, and overall, you can say, midfield mm. as well. But as far as tactics are concerned, mm-hmm. it's a different ball game. Now, they uh, they defended a lot, and then when it came to the penalties, 
they broke down. So mm-hmm. as for tactics, uh, they know they knew that Brazil are stronger. So they um, they first up the scored in the extra time and then. To me, it had an impression that I'm not an expert, but they said that okay, now we've scored one, so we just we'll just chill and relax. And they conceded one, so mm-hmm. it, it goes it went down to penalties. And obviously, they were it uh, seems as if they were more than just prepared for penalties, mm-hmm. and they scored all of them. Uh, as far as Brazil are concerned, they missed two, and the. The saddest thing is that their star player Neymar, he didn't even get a chance to mm. make a difference. As in, he would have scored. Mm. He has a great technique. Some say better than Messi's, mm-hmm. as far as penalties are concerned only. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean right. that uh, does happen. Uh, you're quite a uh, an expert on this. Uh, no, I'm not I, an expert. It's just that I don't. I don't remember half the things. I had, uh, no, I had to develop my interest in. I always loved to play football, but never had interest in watching football. Mm-hmm. But lately, is that uh, uh, you pick up stuff from other yes. people, and I've yeah. seen the passion for the game, and I said, okay, let's develop a passion for the game as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you work in the Nur Academy. Yeah, Nur Academy. Yeah, so this is uh, doing what? Uh, yeah, we mm-hmm. actually deal with children for right. their upbringing, uh-huh. moral upbringing, as, uh, as far as moral and spiritual upbringing, as far as we, as in it's an online platform, so we cannot fully, uh, you can say, uh, teach them Mm-hmm. As far as the uh, morals are concerned, because uh, moral and ethics, most of the stuff you have to be there physically in order to monitor children and all that. But um, we try to teach them stuff, and then it's down to their parents to, you can say, make them uh, good persons, and you can is say it, so that they can serve. Is this online, or do they? Yeah, it's completely it's online. Completely online. Yeah, it's a, right. an online platform. Okay, so you don't and discuss other things with them, like football and. As in. We can, but we don't, uh-huh. and the reason is because obviously it's an online platform, and right. uh, uh, we try to keep it as you can say as simple as we can. Obviously, if someone's sitting in front of you, you can judge by the expressions that uh-huh. he's getting bored or something. But as far as the online platform, we don't have the cameras on, so we cannot judge by the fact that okay, mm. they're getting bored or not. We just, I just think sometimes okay, it. It's getting too, you can say, complicated. So, so mm-hmm. I try and simplify it. I would start asking questions and try and get them to indulge into a bit of a conversation, mm-hmm. asking simple questions so that I know that they ha- they know the answer by just that to make them speak up mm-hmm. and just to a bit of a confidence to them that they can speak uh, in an on, on an online platform as well. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. obviously, um, I would uh, encourage the children to um, uh, you can say and the parents as well to uh, pay heed to what the teaching of Islam mm-hmm. are and to act upon them mm-hmm. accordingly right but <coughs> and, and we were discussing the subject of kindness and I suppose uh, we were talking really when we were talking about preschool meals about their the physical sustenance but you are also uh, in a way yeah, can be argued, spiritual sustenance you are yeah. giving them spiritual sustenance and that's also a form of kindness and you're giving it free of charge aren't you you don't charge them yeah and I have yeah. another incident in front of me where mm-hmm. the, it is similar to the topic we were we are just discussing that the holy prophet uh, of Allah peace and blessing of Allah be upon him 
uh, had an had a child named Hazrat Anas bin Malik. May Allah be pleased with him. He was a companion, and he was from a young age. He would well, he devoted his life for the service of the Prophet. So he would stay with the Prophet, and he would serve him. Now it is narrated that during the ten years of his service, where he would be with Holy Prophet off and on obviously he went home as well and whenever he felt the need of serving his beloved prophet he would come and serve now he says that uh, during the 10 years of his service the prophet of Allah never said a word of impatience or rebuked him in any way shape or form and the exact words of the uh, narration from Bukhari are that I served the prophet for 10 years and he never said to me of now of is an expression of uh, a harsh uh, or a harsh expression which denotes the that fact that someone is not pleased with the fact that what you, what you have done this is the a bit of a reaction to what you have done and he said that he never blamed me for anything and he's uh, by saying why did you do this or why did you do that and he says that a child is a uh, bound to her at times but we are to bear with it patiently whilst advising and guiding them we shouldn't be constantly admonishing our young ones making supplications for our children is also the uh, the way of the prophets it is reported that the patients the parents uh, supplication for one's children are not rejected by the god almighty and finally, there's one more thing which I would uh, relate and then we'll end up. It says that, uh, indeed, we have seen the Prophet uh, of Allah was a role model in caring for children. He has taught us on how to treat with them uh, and how to express our love and joy for and the gift of having them in our lives. It is now our obligation to learn how learn how to best how uh, the best way to treat our children and to inc- incorporate these teachings into our own daily lives. Thank you very much, Imam uh, Farid, for that. Uh, and I think it's a good place uh, to conclude uh, this uh, broadcast. Uh, but let me just one say one final thing. It's a, I suppose it's a word of uh, gratitude. Or should I say, words of gratitude uh, to those who have contributed uh, to the production of this uh, broadcast. Uh, the producer was Malia Abdullah. Thanks to her for the effort she, uh, she has put in. Uh, and then uh, her researchers also are deserving of her gratitude. Uh, say the Hannah South and Neha. And we mustn't forget our engineer, Akib Ahmed Adnan, who is uh, making sure that everything ran smoothly from the technical side uh, of this uh, program. Um, and uh, lastly, but not least, uh, we must thank our, um, our listeners, uh, those who have joined uh, to listen to this program. If you have any comments, uh, then do please make them known to us. Uh, any uh, suggestions of improvements uh, particularly would be welcome. Uh, the number is 0208-687-7878 and the Twitter handle is Voice of Islam UK or you can write to us at the uh, Voice of Islam studios at uh, Bethel Fethu, the largest mosque in Western Europe. Uh, so until next time, 
It's Assalamu uh, alaikum, peace be upon him, uh, peace be upon you from uh, Imam Farid and myself. Uh, do join us again for the breakfast show on Monday to Friday, 7 to 9 o'clock. Here's the news.